0: To the MTB Tribe Podcast. your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett.
1: Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here and welcome to episode 107 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved so thanks so much for tuning in and thanks for being with us today now in this episode we are chatting with ollie robertson founder and owner of surrey hills clothing company and it was great to get ollie on the show i seen his website liked what he was doing liked his designs liked his teas thought it was a very very nice quality brand loved the name of the brand Um, I thought it said a lot about what he was trying to do with the brand so I reached out and got Ollie on the show he was kind enough to come on and share his story with us Now Surrey Hills Clothing Company is still in its infancy. It was only started in 2008 and Ollie mainly started the brand because he couldn't really find anything casual that he wanted to wear after a ride or down to his local bar or whatever. Just something casual that he could wear every day that related to what he was interested in, mountain biking and of course Surrey Hills. So he decided with his background in kind of design and and logo kind of design and stuff he could produce something himself. So that's exactly what he'd done. And now, of course, it went from strength to strength. He started selling online, he started selling to local riders, helping promote his local area, Surrey Hills. And since that time, Ollie has started expanding the brand, offers more designs, more t-shirts, and is going into accessories in the near future. We get into all the ins and outs of producing a mountain bike brand, or any brand, really, in general, and what it takes, the time, the commitment... The money that it takes to kind of finance something like this to get, it, to get it rolling, get it started. And we also chat to Ollie about how he validates his idea for what t-shirts and what prints he will produce. And it's all down to his local community and the people that are involved with the brand and like to support the brand. and They have the say in what Ollie produces and it's a really cool concept. He's really using social media to his benefit and, and it's cool to see these small brands Getting out there, getting on the trails and people supporting their local trails via something like this. It's really, really cool to see. Ollie's a really cool guy. He works hard. He does this on a part-time basis. And you can imagine the kind of time and commitment that takes to produce something like this part-time. So it was great to get Ollie on the show. It was great to chat about what he's got planned for the near future regarding the brand and how he started. All the good stuff that we want to know about. So without further ado, let me introduce Ollie to the mtv tribe podcast hi ollie welcome to the mtv tribe podcast how's things with you today sir
2: hi
0: gareth i'm very well thank you thank you for having me
1: you're more than welcome sir you're more than welcome and uh thanks for slot man, because i know you're heading away on holidays there tomorrow so thanks for the time for for uh coming on the show i appreciate it
0: no absolutely it's not a problem it's actually quite a nice day here today it's brightening up so i'm probably going to do this and go on the bike later so it's, it's worked out perfectly
1: wow okay and you're going away tomorrow are you heading away is it a bike holiday that you're going on or
0: no i'm going down to nice um we have got a friend of mine who actually owns a company called go bike go and he does um he does kind of uh cycle tours um roadies that sort of thing most mm. like States, around europe goes here and everywhere but his uh, father has a house down in nice and so we're going to go join him and his uh wife and baby for four days just to relax
1: wow just a cello.
0: Yeah, just to chill out before we go back to work next week. So, yeah, it's just a brief visit, but it should be nice. Um, As we spoke about earlier, I think the temperature out there is about 30 at the moment, so it's going to be beautiful.
1: Ah, lovely, man. You need those chill-out times, don't
0: you? Absolutely, yeah. Work can get, well, not actually my, not my clothing thing, but my full-time job can get a bit heavy sometimes. So it's good to have a bit of a break every now and then, especially as uh, autumn is coming in here. It's that last bit of summer out in Europe, so yeah, we're going to take advantage of it.
1: Good stuff, man, good stuff. Cool, and we have you on this show today to chat about your MTB clothing brand there called um, Surrey Hills Clothing Co., um, which can be found at surreyhillsclothingco.com. Very cool, I liked your prints, and uh, I I like the stuff you're doing there. Uh, But before we get into that all, I want to know a wee bit about you, if you don't mind, a wee bit about your scene there and and how you get into mountain biking and and, and all that kind of stuff. So whereabouts are you based there? Well, your clothing brand name probably gives it away, but... (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah um well i'm based in guildford um so it's more or less in the center of surrey uh, about sort of 40 minutes outside london um and we're based where i live it's actually just in the foot of the surrey hills um so the surrey hills is an area of outstanding national um natural beauty sorry excuse me and um it's just a great mountain bike scene around here um and i've been mountain biking probably now for about 20 years i think wow, wow. Um, yeah so it's uh, yeah i've lived here for about 16 or 17 years now so it's always been on my doorstep and it's yeah we're just lucky to have it here i mean it's such a beautiful area um not an official funny thing about the surrey hills is that it is you know a a natural area it's not like a bike park or anything but because it's that way built there's so many kind of natural trails that you can go out on and so many beauty spots all this sort of thing so yeah it's really beautiful area very nice indeed
1: Mm -hmm. so you don't have trail centers there as such
0: uh we don't have a trail center where i am sorry hills we've got um swindley forest just around the corner down near canby which is about 15 miles away from here or so um which is like a trail center there so the swindley forest trails are actually man-made and very well looked after uh, but where I am, no, it's all kind of natural. There's about two or three official trails here. Um, there's actually one called um, Summer Lightning, which is based up on Leith Hill. And Leith Hill is the highest point in the Surrey Hills. So when you go on the top of Leith Hill Tower, you can actually see towards Gatwick and the coast, all this sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Summer Lightning is actually an official trail there, but a lot of them are just kind of, you know, scattered throughout the woods, that kind of thing. So,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, it's
0: uh, very varied.
1: Yeah, and... You've been there for quite a while now, 16, 17 years. How have you seen the scene change, you know, from that time till now?
0: Yeah, I think mountain biking as a whole is constantly changing at the moment, like more so in the last few years and ever before. I think um, when I first got into it and the history of mountain biking, it was all about kind of going out into the woods or wherever it may be and finding your own trails, you know, exploring the wilderness, that kind of thing. Um, the scene these days with bike parks popping up and jumps, all this kind of thing, I find that, A lot of it is becoming kind of Um, man-made, but not necessarily a bad thing because the skills and just the way you can actually advance your riding is so much more easier to do these days with these trails um, rather than it was before. So, yeah, it's opened up a hell of a lot more now. And as I say, these man-made trails are popping up here there, and everywhere. I mean, they're fantastically maintained. And, uh, it's yeah, you're very lucky to have them for free, you know. Um, That's the advantage of the Surrey Hills. You don't have to pay to go to them. They're just there on your doorstep.
1: Yeah, it's cool. And you know, I think talking about trail centers and man-made trails, I think the big advantage for us, especially in Ireland, is that it's quite wet. So, you know, a lot of these trails you can still ride when it's wet because the, the water drainage is thought about and planned and they drain the water drains quite well off them. Whereas the natural trails, when it's really wet, you just tend to ruin them. You know, you, you ride them too much and you destroy them. Um mm-hmm so where you're at with the natural trails do you find that over the winter they get destroyed via the riders and stuff
0: yeah there's a lot of erosion out there and then the problem with erosion is that some people start to make alternate routes around bits where there may be a couple of you know uh, trots or something where the tr- tractors have been through that kind of thing uh, so that just to more erosion because it starts to branch out out of the trail into the woodland area that sort of thing mm. uh, yeah it is it's difficult i think you just got to be respectful of the countryside Remember that you're on a shared path, you know, if you're in the public domain, there's horses there, there's walkers, this kind of thing. Um, So the key thing about mountain biking for me is that you just got to be respectful to other people. And part of that is obviously being respectful to the landscape around you. So, um, yeah, it's challenging, but then it makes for more of an exciting ride sometimes as well.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. And it's the thing about the natural and the man-made stuff, it's very different, isn't it? And it's nice to have a wee bit of both. And it's cool you have something quite close to you there because you can pick and choose where to go and what kind of trail you want to ride.
0: And that's exactly right. And, you know, the advantage we have being here as well is we've um, actually grew up in a village called Rogate, which is down in West Sussex. Um, it's about 40-minute drive from here. Um, but there's actually a structured bike park down there now, um, which you pay a, mo- a yearly or a monthly fee for. You go down there, you ride the trail, lots of downhill stuff, this kind of thing um and the advantage of being in the area that we're in you can actually do a ride from here to the bike park um Mm. you know straight from the end, explore kind of natural trails then get to the bike park enjoy that and you know vice versa on the way back so yeah it's it's a real really really sort of um a lucky place to be
1: yeah cool man that sounds amazing so what has your scene grown? have you seen the scene grow quite a lot over your 16 17 years there
0: yeah it has massively i think uh It always surprises me when I'm out on the trails how many mountain bikers I bump into um, compared to how it used to be. You used to be able to go on your own. You don't necessarily want to be on your own, but these days you bump into guys and girls here, there, and everywhere. It's um, really exploded. I think because we're close to a little village called Peas Lake as well. and In Peas Lake, there's a little shop called um, Pedal and Spoke, and they're importers of Santa Cruz bikes. And the mm. scene down there is absolutely huge. Um chap called Howard runs a shop and, yeah, it's exploded down there because it's like trails again, lots of man-made stuff up there, lots of natural riding. Um, so, yeah, it's absolutely huge down here. And I think in that time from like sort of early noughties kind of time until now, it's become very much more accessible now for all ages as well. So you'll see little kids out on their bikes. You'll see older people out on e-bikes, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's exploded massively. It really is quite big down here.
1: Mm, that's cool. That's good to know. And when you started there, Ollie, did you have friends you rode with and you went out with? And, and do you still ride with those guys and girls, or what way does it work? No,
0: yeah, I used to go out with guys. I mean, when I first properly got into it, we were actually um touring around Europe doing a bit of interrailing back in the day. And um we went to Chamonix and did a bit of mountain biking. And to hired a few Kona bikes to took them up in the hills, this kind of thing. And that really sort of sparked it for me. So after that, I was kind of converted into mountain biking. I absolutely loved it um not really riding with the same people these, these days but because of social media it's very easy to actually kind of you know bump into people that you get on with online find out where they are hook up for a ride that kind of thing um so it definitely varies um it's always good to meet new people you know um, um, the whole beauty of it i think
1: yeah because i was wondering and when i asked that question i was wondering if you know there's people that start you know that you have known from say 15 odd years ago and if they're still involved and they're still riding and they're still riding the same trails i was wondering if, if there's any kind of drop out of the scene or if you see any drop out of the scene like that uh
0: it's not really the scene itself that drops out i think it's more the individuals you know people grow up and they have kids and families this kind of thing and um mountain biking isn't a cheap hobby to have
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: so sometimes it's more circumstances and people's personal lives that actually stop some riding rather than kind of uh, just losing touch with people. I've got a friend of mine I've known since I was about maybe twelve or thirteen or fourteen. I we out for a ride every now and then. We've both grown up together. Um and uh yeah, it's just it's nice to still sort of hook up with someone you've known for that amount of time and who's grown up in the same scene and seeing the changes or this kind of thing. Um you have a bit of familiarity with it, I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you know it's one of those things that you know most people when they start it they tend to stay at it and there's maybe times where they don't get time or whatever with work commitments or family commitments but they always seem to have a bike or two about them you know
0: (laughs) yeah 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 There's always something in the shed (laughs) 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 you seem to be out out of the shed that kind of thing Um, I think that's just the joy of it as soon as you get back into it again you just want to buy a new one my new bike you know and um, it's always tempting. Um, but yeah, the, as I say, the age group that we see around here is just from, you know, from kiddies to guys, 70 odd riding. So um, it never really sort of leaves you, I think, as a sport because it's so accessible and so easy just to pick up wherever you are. Um, you know, the whole thing about mountain biking is you don't need the ocean, the weather doesn't need to be perfect, this kind of thing. All you need is your bike and off you go. So um, yeah, that's the beauty of it, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's user friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, right, well, let's, uh, let's chat a wee bit about your clothing company then, um, called Surrey Hills Clothing Company. Um, tell mm-hmm. us a wee bit just briefly what you do there with the clothing company and what you kind of produce.
0: So at the moment, we're fairly new. Um, I could say we, it's actually just me that runs the company completely. Um, so I started it last August, September sort of time. And the whole idea behind it was just, I just wanted something that I could wear uh casually that as you showed that I love mountain biking. Um there's a lot of big brands out there doing stuff. I can never really find anything that really sort of uh, attracted me personally to it. So I had to go and do something for myself. And that was my main motivation behind it. Um, and at the time I thought, you know, this is working well for myself. Good t-shirts here and it'd be the advantage if someone else likes it and buys a t-shirt. Um, and uh, when I first started it out, because I've done a bit of graphic design, illustration background, this kind of thing, I set up a website. And I put t-shirts on there, but the t-shirts themselves that I put were just virtual representations of the designs that I was going to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I put the t-shirts up there, and it's like, "What? Well, someone buys one? I thought I'll worry about that when it happens." And then someone did. So I thought, right, <laughs> right, I'm going to have to go and get this product done now, so I can obviously send it to the guy who bought it." Um, so that took me about a week and a half. So I was in constant contact with this guy, saying, Look, "I'm really sorry, really sorry. I'm going to get it done. Going to get it done." And eventually, I did find a really good printer got it done sent it out and um yeah it just kind of went from there um so as i say it's a fairly small company um i just do t-shirts at the moment i'm looking to do hoodies for the winter obviously it's getting colder, all this sort of stuff um yeah it's just a bit of a, a sideline really and, and as i say other people who buy into it and find it find it interesting it's a real uh real sort of uh compliment to be honest um mm-hmm. there's nothing better than someone else i don't know wearing one of my tees so yeah it's kind of gross from there
1: Yeah, uh, so let's chat a wee bit about your background. So you said you had some design experience and things like that. So you had no real experience in the fashion industry, but you knew how to design?
0: No, no experience in the fashion industry at all. Um, I've got a, uh, a a, I'd say, a mini half a degree in graphic design. So, um, you know, I can do a bit of web design and illustration, that sort of thing. It's not a problem when it Mm -hmm. came down to the t-shirts themselves um i spend a lot of time kind of sourcing high quality garments um because if i'm going to sell something i want it to be the highest quality i can get uh for the money that obviously you know we're asking for the product um so no no fashion experience really but as i say it's a trial and error it's been a case of buying kind of t-shirts that obviously no logo on this sort of thing checking out the quality washing them a few times seeing how they come out and then likewise with the prints as well getting one-offs done and see how they work uh before i actually stick on the website and being prepared to actually sell it to someone Mm -hmm. confident in the fact that they will actually like it and you know it won't be sent back to me as a a faulty product or whatever so yeah that's really key to it um and i guess i use it as a bit of an outlet for my sort of creative side as well so as i say i do illustration graphic design on the side it's not my full-time job so i need something to actually vent that creativity so yeah the two go hand in hand really
1: no, that's cool. And I like your designs and stuff you're doing. So uh, that's what drew me to to your brand initially when I seen it online. Um, uh, very good. And I noticed a lot of your stuff sold out there, too. So you, you've obviously been selling a few pieces.
0: Yeah, no, it has gone really well. I mean, when I do get a new design in, it's a limited run. So I'll probably get about 25, 30 T-shirts in. Um and, you know, obviously they're there until they're gone. Um, it's, it's interesting to see what does go quickly and what doesn't. So I do a few kind of freebies every now and then. Um, I went down to rogue Bike Park about two weeks ago and met a couple of riders and handed out a couple of T-shirts just as a way of trying to push the brand um, mm-hmm. and get people to see it on the trail and know about it. So, yeah, it's great to see stuff sold out. Um, it's just finding the time to get that product back out there again and you know it's normally about sort of two week turnaround from something selling out to get it back on the website um but yeah really really pretty pleased to see it sold out it's a real real
2: compliment i think
1: yeah no that's cool and when you were designing the brand and you were thinking about names and stuff like that mm. were you thinking of the surrey hills of maybe catering towards that community of riders what way did you go about that how did you think about choosing your your brand name
0: um it was a way it was quite cheeky it was a way of sort of capitalizing on the whole sorry Hills thing i mean it's you know around here there's a lot of companies you've got sorry hills moving cove sorry hills coffee um whatever it may be there's a lot of companies that actually use the sorry hills as a kind of front to what they actually do mm-hmm. and to me it was just sort of born out of that really i just thought you know the sorry Hills sounds good as a brand um, I was hoping if it got big enough one day, people might just refer to it as Sorry Hills. You know, they might say, that Sorry Hills t-shirt or Sorry Hills cap, whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit of discussion around it. But in the end, as I say, Surrey Hills clothing coat um, it's I don't know, I don't want to do a cliche, but it kind of says, does what it says in the tin, if you know what I mean. It's yeah. Surrey, Hills, Surrey Hills clothing. Um, but there was always a sort of afterthought that I was kind of limiting myself to one geographical area um by calling it Surrey Hills and I just thought you know what you can't copyright a name and if the brand is correct and the designs are right and it appeals to mountain bikers that's all that matters um so if it transcends the area that I'm in then that's even bigger for me that's fantastic
1: yeah like it's cool did you think that by calling it that name that the local crews the local riders would actually get behind you and support the brand and because I think as a writer, that would be really cool to have something represented from your area, from your scene.
0: Absolutely. No, absolutely right. I did hope that would happen um, because, like I say, you can go to certain – it's like when you go on holiday and you buy a t-shirt at the place you've been, wherever it may be, you know, I love New York or something. Um, I guess it's, it's the way of supporting the Surrey Hills and, yeah, like you say, showcasing the area that we're in and really kind of, sort of appealing to the, the riders that make the mountain bike scene around here. That's all it is. It's hoping that these guys or girls will buy into it and um, they can wear it elsewhere. And it, yeah, it just represents a beautiful part of the world really and a great hobby. So um, it is about buying into the area for sure. Um, but we've had a few international sales here and there. So, you know, uh, it has kind of transcended that as well. Yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's it's a weird one. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about Surrey Hills, the riding around here. This is where I live. Um, it's an outstanding area to be in. Um, yeah, it's just an advantage, I think. That's all I can say about it. It's an advantage of having that, that name behind it, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, when you were thinking of putting the brand out there, how did you go about validating the idea? Did you send any to local riders? Um, how did you go about that?
0: Um, when I first created it, I did send a few teas out. I had a few guys on Instagram. Instagram has been the kind of main outlet for the, the brand in terms of advertising, I'm putting the name out there. So I had a few guys contacting me asking to be sponsored this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, from my limited experience in it, I thought sponsored. They're going to want to have lift, lifts to races. You know, we picked up this kind of thing, free clothing, all this sort of stuff. Um, so that kind of happened, uh, on a small scale. I had one guy living in Godman who I was sending t-shirts to. So he was obviously wearing t-shirts on the trail where his friends were getting to know the brand, that kind of thing. Um, so in terms of validating it, yeah, it was just a bit of market research really. And I approached a few shops in, um, in and around the area as well, a few mountain biking places to see if they'd be interested in stocking them. Um, and as I say, as I sort of grew my following on Instagram, it was about contacting other riders on Instagram, following their posts and all that sort of thing, engaging with them. Um, so a lot of it is kind of just asking a direct question, like, do you like this design? Do you like this t-shirt? Would you buy it? All that sort of stuff. Um, that's how I kind of do my market research. Very, very straightforward.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, mainly Instagram.
0: Mainly Instagram. Yeah. I think Instagram is such a good tool. Uh, obviously it's a visual tool. So it helps with the actual designs themselves. Cause that's what you see when you go on there. You see the brand what it represents. Um, Instagram has been my main, main thing for sure. Um, and uh, I think when I first started it as well, set myself a challenge of seeing how easy it was to set up a clothing brand. That was the other thing I was thinking at the time. I was like, how can I do this? Will it be easy? Will it be difficult? And yeah, it just, it worked. And it's kind of grown since then. And um, people have bought into it. As I say, it's, it's it's a massive, massive compliment. When people buy into it, it's something that you've just sort of started off your own back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hope that people actually like it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's cool, you know, because... I like kind of local stuff like that done for local areas and, you know, the local riders get behind you and it almost helps the, the mountain bike community in a whole, you know, you have something to represent the area you ride from and and you're obviously, you're obviously keen to do that because of what it gives back to you. Did you find local guys reaching out and getting in contact with you saying, thanks for doing this. I love this stuff. You know, thanks for supporting Surrey Hills and,
0: absolutely absolutely like that yeah i had a few guys contacting me saying it's amazing what you're doing for the surrey hills and for the local riders and this kind of thing it was exactly that kind of message and um yeah it was just a way of kind of showcasing the area that we're in i mean as i say it's such a beautiful place to be in and it gets so much kind of respect from the riders all this sort of thing um and it is a protected area as well so if we're doing a bit for that just kind of showcasing where you can actually find these trails uh-huh. And when people are away from the actual Surrey Hills area, someone else can ask, oh, what's that all about? Where is that? Where is Surrey Hills? This kind of thing. So it opens it up to new people as well. Um, so ge- geographically, yeah, it definitely does spread the word, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. No, definitely. That's very, very cool. Um, is your product aimed at any type of rider or is it more of a casual type thing?
0: It's a casual thing, yeah. I don't do kind of, um, I haven't done venture into bamboo T-shirts yet. It's something I'd like to do to have something that is wearable on the trail and afterwards as well. So something like marina wool that kind of dries out, you know, you can wear it down the pub afterwards and wear it Mm -hmm. on the trail kind of thing. At the moment, it is casual wear. Um, I would like to do racing jerseys, but again, it's going to take a lot of research because I want to, again, put out something that is really good quality. Um, I don't just want to set up for something it's just got a, sort of a logo smacked on it and off you go and then you know charging whatever money for it 30 quid this kind of thing um, yeah. enough we had a lot of requests from riders for racing jerseys Normally, that's the first thing people say do you do racing jerseys this kind of thing um, so work in progress at the moment yeah we're definitely looking to do it next year I think
1: yeah cool and when you're looking at something new like that do you look at environmentally friendly polyesters and things do, do you look at recycled polyesters when you're thinking of race jerseys
0: Um, I would like to say yes, but I haven't got that far yet. But it's certainly something we take into account. I mean, the company that actually does my screen printing is an ethical screen printing company. So they use recycled inks, this kind of thing. Um, So in that sense, it is, you know, it's thought out and is something that I really want to make a focus of the company because, uh, you know, again, with the packaging that I send out, it's all recyclable envelopes, this kind of thing. There's no plastic um, bags or anything with the packaging. It's all paper a couple of, sort of vinyl stickers you can stick on your bike, that sort of thing. So it is definitely something I've got in mind for the brand is to have, you know, if we're going to go that way and go down the sort of racing lines to have something that is sustainable, it's really important, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was reading somewhere quite recently that apparently there's enough polyester on the planet at the minute um, that we would never have to produce another polyester product. Is that right? Uh, yeah, so there's probably a big issue with the polyester because you can't, re- you can't, it's not disposable as such you can recycle it but uh once it's there it's there you know um yeah, exactly. so i would like i would like to see more of that happen and i hope that more of the the companies are looking at that direction and i think the wee small brands like yourselves and a few others that are knocking about that would be a beautiful way to go to start it like that okay it's going to be more expensive but yeah. i think that would be lovely if a lot of people kind of looked at it that way
0: I think they are absolutely right, yeah. And I think it's worth the investment, that the money that you pay for it and the quality of the product. Um, I just don't think that could, well, it wouldn't be a disadvantage. I could see it would actually actually pay back towards your brand. It would give it something else, another angle. Um, mm. And obviously being the mountain biker, I think we're pretty environmentally conscious as it is. Um, so yeah, it definitely lends itself to it.
1: Yeah, well, this is it. You know, we need the environment. That's We mountain bike, we need the environment, we need the nature, we need everything there. It's our playground and... If we're not doing something to help sustain that, there's something wrong.
0: Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's um, I do hope that when riders around the trails, you know, uh, they do think about the sort of environment. It's quite disappointing when you're around trail parks, this kind of thing, or in the woods and you've, you go down to a bike park, whatever it may be. I noticed this the other day when I was leaving Rogay, and just a lot of the verges had red bull cans in them, all this sort of thing, energy drink bottles, plastic bottles, discarded. And you kind of hope that that was just a minority that are doing that and it's not actually a reflection of mountain bikers as a whole. Um, um, because I think, yeah, like you say, the environment that we actually enjoy is natural uh, to begin with, so it should be respected as such. Um, so, you know, I always do my bit when, I'll my, well, when I'm out my bike and I've got my backpack, I'll always do my bit and pick up a few discarded bits here and there just to keep it as it should be. Um, but as I say, I like to think that maybe that's just a minority and it's not a reflection of the, uh, the community as a whole.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. We need to keep the trails clean and tidy. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So when you got that first order in uh, for your T-shirt, how did you go about sourcing your manufacturer? Then you were obviously trying to get this T-shirt produced as quickly as possible. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, did you look? Was...
1: Did you look local, or how did you go about it?
0: I did look local. Yeah, I went local. Um, I found a company that actually, actually, uh, it was a chap up in Kingston that I went to that can do. He does vinyl printing, and he was able to do a one-off t-shirt, which is unusual for wow. companies because sometimes yeah, there's always a minimum, a minimal order. You have to order 20 t's or something because obviously the understanding is the company is going to have to put together a screen print, get that done, and to do it for one t-shirt only is there's a cost involved. Mm-hmm. um so i was lucky to find this guy up in kingston i went up there with the design email that designed to him um he did a vinyl print and it was i think the first t-shirt i sold was something that had it was like three tires on it mtv tires and it had the old pleasure of like eat sleep repeat on it i think
2: mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm.
0: and this sold to a guy down in guildford and um this this print took forever because i where i put the tires i put a bit of mud splatter on each one so every little bit of mud splatter on that T-shirt had to be taken out by hand because the vinyl printing method, I believe, is oh. so got to pick it out. So this T-shirt this <laughs> guy forever, and um, obviously I got it eventually. It's a fantastic, fantastic job. Uh, no no dispute about that, but, yeah, I felt sorry for the guy. <laughs> he says, uh, I think it might be able to rethink the design for the next one. I said, right, no problem, unless you're getting mass-produced. And then, obviously, that led on to screen printing and then direct garment. Um, direct garment printing is actually when you put a T-shirt through a printer, so essentially, it's like having a, a printer on your computer, but you're putting fabric instead of paper through it. Um, it's really effective in doing kind of full-color designs, this kind of thing, and uh, gradients. If you've got a gradient and design, you want to you know, show a flow from one color to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very good for that. So yeah, I haven't done vinyl printing since. I learned my lesson. There's been a lot of um, lesson learning in the last year or so, as I say, fashion experience. Uh, I had to sort of do my research a bit more thoroughly before I sort of designed a bit of paper and said, right, that's going on the T-shirt, because you have to think about how it's going to be printed, the space it's going to take up, is the quality of the fabric good enough, is it going to smear, is it going to wash okay, all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's been a learning curve, for sure, but a good one.
1: Yeah, and I suppose when you design something, it may look good on the screen, but once you stick it on a garment, it may lose some of its effect, effectively.
0: Yeah, it can do because it all depends where the design is. It depends how it sits on someone's body, this kind of thing. You know, it's knowing how high to put the lettering, how low to put it, all those sort of stuff. Um, so it is tricky. Um, as I say, I do all my mock-ups on the computer and I use a template for my T-shirts. So I put the design on that and see how it goes. and um, it, You know, sometimes, as I say, it can be a learning curve because I might think a design is fantastic and I'd wear it, but it doesn't always mean that everyone else is going to wear it as well. Um mm. Sometimes it is a gamble to see if it goes down well and see what people think of it, which is, as I say, where Instagram comes in handy. You know, you can directly ask your customer, the consumer, what they think about it. Um, You know, if you want to be bold enough, you can direct message them and say, right, what do you think about this T-shirt? Would you buy it or do an Instagram story with a little slider to see if people like it? Mm -hmm. Um, So in that sense, that's really, really handy because, yeah, as I say, I'm speaking directly to my market and I can find out what they think before I spend, you know, however much money it may be to get 20 T-shirts printed or something um so yeah it's great for me it really is good it means you're not doing a lot of expenditure and having a lot of stocks of rolling over to god knows when because it's not selling um Mm -hmm. yeah so it it can be challenging but as i say it's fingers crossed when it actually goes on the market that people are actually going to buy into it
1: yeah and instagram seems to be so popular now for the AMTB scene just the whole image thing and all and there seems to be just so much more people using Instagram to say Facebook or some of the other social social platforms.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely right. It's, I mean, I've been on Instagram now for about eight years, I think. Um, when it first came out, obviously it started with a personal account, just taking random photographs and sticking it through a filter and put it online. And, you know, um, if people, I don't know if you could even like photos about that. I'm not even sure how it started out, but mm-hmm. these days, such, such, an easy way to communicate with mountain bikers and because it's visual like you say we can have videos on there photography there's so many like great um mountain bike photographers popping up out of the scene as well um and i've been lucky enough to be contacted by a couple of guys on instagram who have taken photographs for me for the brand um because when i first started out well most of 95 of the pictures on the uh, instagram are my photographs that i take out my bike and i just go for a ride mm-hmm. and i think this is quite a good photo here. The bike will look quite good. So I sort of put it together and I put it on Photoshop and I'll manipulate it any which way I need to. Um, but as I say, I've had the advantage of these guys getting in touch and actually taking some professional photographs. So I've been very lucky in that sense. Um, and yeah, the networking side of it is because of Instagram. That's how we've been able to get in touch with each other and meet each other. So yeah, very, very good indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sort of tell why it's popular with us.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's something you don't really think about when you start a brand as such. You know, you have the photography. How are you going to display things on the website? How are they going to look on the website? Um, how do you get the good images out? The riding images? Do you go for lifestyle? Do you, it's just so much stuff you have to think about.
0: Yeah, there is, there is. I think for me, it was. Um, I don't know why I thought about how I thought about it, thought. Sorry, excuse me. Thought about it. I think. For me, like I grew up kind of doing a bit of skateboarding and this sort of thing before mountain biking, so the image of skateboarding, kind of finds its way into my brand as well, and that's how I sort of, you know, base it on. I think uh, both very sort of uh, visual kind of sports as well, and mm-hmm. the image that you get skateboarding, and longboarding is very cool. The kids like it, all this sort of stuff, and again, it's a sport that never dies. The Matt hold you get, so. Um, that's the kind of angle that I went into with. I just wanted it to look like an upmarket brand. I didn't want it to look cheap or, you know, sort of, uh, I
2: don't know
0: how to describe it. Sort of low end. I wanted to have a bit of premium to it, premium quality to the Surrey Hills, because I feel that obviously the area that we're in, Surrey Hills, is a good place to be. It's, mm-hmm. a, you know, it's a, a premium area, this sort of thing. So I wanted the brand to kind of reflect that. So that was the angle that I was um, going in at.
1: Mm. Yeah, and it's funny because the Surrey Hills you know, Clothing Company, it sounds quality. It doesn't sound taggy or anything. You know what I mean? It sounds like it's a quality garment.
0: That's relief. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's, yeah,
0: I mean, it's, it's a long title. Don't get me wrong. I wish the website was shorter, you know, because it's surreyhillsclothingco.com. Um, I might look in the future to just put it into initials. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think it has that kind of – that ring to it and the whole thing of idea with it when i first started it as well was not to have it just limited to mountain bikers um i had this kind of tagline that I came up with which was for bikers and beyond and mm-hmm. uh, when i first started so i had people emailing me saying what does that mean <laughs> really? So I sort of said, well, the whole idea is hopefully it will transcend mountain biking go to different sports perhaps you know i could do a few skate designs or something or maybe a surfing design whatever it may be as mm-hmm. I said at the beginning, if you start referring to it as a Surrey Hills, it's at a Surrey Hills T-shirt or whatever it is, it doesn't have to be just limited to mountain bikers. It can sort of transcend that and become like a quality um, clothing brand, which is where I hope to bring in, uh, well, I hope to get in the future, to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it would definitely span over those different kind of, those different sports and lifestyles.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, that, like you say, that's a key word is lifestyle, I think. I think people who, amount mountain biking and boarding this kind of thing i think we all appreciate the outdoors and i think we just have a more kind of i think what the word is for it is got our appreciation of the outdoors and i mm-hmm. think that's what it's all about you know and a broader kind of spectrum a little a little bit so um yeah if i can create something and do something to support that and reflect it and uh, that that's a, that's a key thing to be honest mm,
1: yeah um so where are you getting your t-shirts not manufactured uh nayli is it still the same gentleman that done that first that first final print for you
0: no, I haven't been to them in a while. Um, I've actually got a company called Merch Stall who are based up in Yorkshire. Um, these guys, I'd say, they do all the ethical screen printing and stuff. And um, the T-shirts that I get in um, are like 100% cotton, heavyweight cotton T-shirts. Um, and then these guys take the tees and they'll do the printing for me, so screen printing neck labels and that sort of stuff. So that's the guys I've been using quite frequently. Yeah. And they're a small business as well, so it's good to support another small business from my small business. And um, they always produce a really, really high-quality garment. So, yeah, that's the guys I kind of stick to at the moment.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And they let you do kind of small runs and things, which is cool.
0: Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. There's, you don't have to order 500 T-shirts or anything stupid. You can order, like, 20 or so, and, um, you know, choose your sizes, this kind of thing. They'll do small stuff for me as well, like give me a T-shirt with just neck labels, and I can take that. Unfortunately, these guys don't do direct garments, so I could take that to a sort of direct garment printer and get a one-off T-shirt printed as well. Um, so yeah, it's a real advantage. They're very, very good.
1: Aye, that's happy. And it's, it, it's cool to have that kind of relationship with your manufacturer. And I, I suppose you kind of need that.
0: Yeah, you need the reliability of it. Um, uh, yeah, because the danger is, uh, you know, that being a small business, you don't want to go through dry patches too often in terms of having no stock or no new product. Um, because mm-hmm. people start to lose interest, I find. Um, so having someone a connect like this who is uh, like a really reliable printer it certainly helps the process for sure and it means i'm not tracing tra- tra- around sorry trying to find someone to do one t-shirt for me uh, yeah. so yeah definitely it works well definitely works well
1: yeah and do you find ollie that you have returned customers do you get you know have you, have you got a group of fans there that buy more than one product off you or do you get new customers all the time
0: no, I, I do have returned customers. Yeah, it's great. I mean, when I look through the website, details of the website, obviously the back office stuff, seeing how much people have spent, individuals, um, I'm blown away. You know, it's, there have been returned customers. And I think it's fantastic because it means that the appeals uh, sorry the designs are appealing to a certain kind of rider, a certain kind mm-hmm. of person. And they're coming back for more designs. They're coming back for completely different color T-shirt, different design, this sort of thing um so yeah i've got a regular guy in germany i've got someone up in scotland who buys quite a few there's someone up in um the midlands who always buys a t-shirt when they come out and as i say they're new customers as well then i've actually got my t-shirts as well in a local bike shop um so recently i've had people popping up on instagram with photographs of the t-shirt i thought hang on i don't remember selling that one in that size you know it's that first yeah i saw one last week it's fantastic you know i mean that's a real real boost um so yeah regular customers are very much valued as well as obviously new customers too so yeah it's great
1: yeah and it's cool seeing somebody in your garment huh it's really cool
0: yeah it's fantastic yeah i mean i haven't bumped into anyone on the high street yet in guildford wearing one that's like the ultimate for me if that happens i'll just be like oh my god you know (laughs)
2: Um,
0: obviously i've had people on um instagrams sort of posting photographs where they've been out riding and they're wearing the t-shirt not necessarily doing a post about mountain biking they're just wearing it casually and they might be doing something else um but that's a real boost yeah to see someone else wearing it that i don't know you know that i haven't paid to wear it um or haven't sent it for free and then they've taken photographs of it and been seen in it in public i mean yeah it's a real 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 boost i love it absolutely love it it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a wish for when i started the brand to be honest
1: yeah it's cool and you know chant to a few people on the podcast previously and and stuff i think that's that's a validation in itself almost when you see guys with your garments on and enjoying themselves and you know posting stuff up on instagram i I think that makes it worthwhile almost
0: yeah it does it does because like with any small business i think there's always times when you get disillusioned and you think oh god you know i haven't sold two weeks and this has happened that's happened but like you say when you see someone posting a uh, something or yeah like some just went yeah as i say it's fantastic i couldn't thank the people enough for actually doing it it's um it just uh it boosts the brand as it were
1: yeah for sure for sure now let, let's chat initially when you decided to get some stock and um and purchase some stock and put some money into that was it quite a big outlay was it a scary outlay for you what was that whole process like
0: yeah it is a big outlay it's um when I first started, it was me using any spare money that I had left over from my salary every month. You know, so I was putting a couple of hundred quid there, a couple of hundred pound there. Um, my dad has been very supportive. So my dad has helped me out quite a bit with cash, um, for new designs, that kind of thing. Um, but the outlay has just basically been a product. Um, you know, all I, all I had beforehand was a laptop. I needed the laptop with you know, Adobe kind of programs like that sort of thing, which I'm hooked up to anyway. So the you know, the outlay has been the product and obviously then the packaging, um, recently i invested in a big wooden stamp with a logo on it so i can stamp my envelopes now when they go out so it'll look really cool they're kind of branded packaging you know mm-hmm. um so yeah the outlay is definitely there and that's it's always a bit of a risk because you never know if you're going to sell out and the chances are with a clothing company you're never just going to sell every single size straight away
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know small guy and a medium-sized kind of big guy is not going to do a purchase in the first day mm-hmm. um so it is a bit of a challenge but obviously I've learned over the last year or so what to stock in terms of the size of a couple of small ones. I find that mainly like excels, largest go that kind of thing. So the outlay is there. And I think with the small business side of things too, it's the money that I get back from the t-shirts that goes back into the business again. Um, So that's the way I work. it. I don't really take a profit from the business. Everything that gets bought goes back into the business to invest in new designs. So that's how it
1: works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, that initial that initial thing's quite scary, yeah, because you're outlaying hard-earned money that you could put into new bike equipment or something. It's maybe yeah. just having the faith to to go for it, start the thing, get the ball rolling, um, and get those products in. And as you say, it I suppose it takes some time to see kind of your customer base and what colours they like and what sizes sell best. Um, it's not easy. It's crystal ball stuff.
0: No, it certainly is crystal stuff. Yeah, right. It's all a bit of um, it's all a bit of risk. You know, you, you can't force people to buy something. Um, you just kind of hope that people are going to buy it. If one person tells you it's half decent, then you kind of need twenty people to say yeah, it's half decent to actually make any sales. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so it is all a bit of uh, risk. And I just, um, yeah, all you can do is just put them out there and see if people like it. I mean, the latest t-shirt that came out, the dust one. That came as an idea, obviously the dusty trails in the in the the summer, but that only got released about two or three weeks ago. It was starting to head into autumn, so Mm
2: -hmm. it was a
0: bit of a misstep. I kind of thought, you know, should have said mud on the front or something or I don't know whatever else. Um, It is scary, but as I say, it's um, I think it's worth doing. It's it's a passion for the sport that I have and uh, the respect for the sport and the area that as well. It's just something on the side that works and hopefully yeah if more people buy into it it will continue as a brand and continue to grow
1: yeah for sure and it's i suppose you have to be because i you know i've worked in the retail industry quite a lot and i know that a lot of the companies are working easily eight months in advance you know when you buy into a season you're buying easily eight months in advance do you do anything like that? Do you think ahead of time? So now are you thinking, you know, like you were saying earlier about hoodies and things, was that implanted a while ago? And were you thinking, I need to start looking at hoodies and maybe beanies and, and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, it definitely has been in my mind. Um, I think the only thing that stopped me at the moment, it's just lack of, um, uh, well, to be honest, it's, it's lack of turnover at the moment with the business.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I definitely try and think ahead and um, see what works, but it, the more the business develops um you sometimes kind of i think about pitching it a different way so maybe i should pitch it as just a sort of um limited edition t-shirt company so we just do t-shirts because that's easy to do t-shirts are easy to get a hold of they're easy to print this kind of thing um with hoodies for winter it's definitely something i want to do this winter because i missed last year uh, for various work things going on in my sort of, uh, normal working life um in terms of planning ahead not really in terms of the seasons i don't think at the moment um it's more so about the designs and then trying to do obviously girls t-shirts as well that's on the list next um i've had a few missteps with that in the past so i had a lot of designs done but the quality of the t-shirt wasn't very good um so it wasn't something i wanted to put out there but it's definitely again not a bit of the market that i'm sort of planning ahead and um to tap in the next few months or so
1: mm-hmm. yeah because there's so much um there's so much goes into designing something and getting something right. Like, can you get samples and stuff sent to you? Do you have to pay for those? Is that another outlay you have to think about?
0: Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I've had, ai think one t-shirt I got done as a sample a few months back cost me £45. <laughs> um, yeah, just to see how the design would work. So basically it was a front design, design on the back, and then a neck label as well. But because it was from a certain company, I forget who it was, it cost me £45 to get this t-shirt done. Uh, came through, it looked fantastic. Um and then I put it onto Instagram as a competition to, for someone to win because it was a one-off, you know, it was a mm-hmm. single size. I had to say you can win this large t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um so that went out. But um again, most of all the guys that I'm using at the moment, they sent me a free sample um a few weeks back with a design and did it as a one-off. So it just depends who you go to, really. Um I'm lucky to find these guys now because I've dealt with big companies in the past and you can see that the just the attention to detail isn't there. You know, it's a load of teeth so that just stuff in the cardboard box and you get it and you pay £500 for it, like 25 teas.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um So it's definitely a learning sort of process with that. But in terms of the samples, as I say, you can get the old sample here and there, but a lot of it is just down to me sort of making the mock-up on the computer and seeing how it looks um, and then having the faith when I actually do order it, it's going to come out okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I think, again, as we go back and we chat about the the kind of relationship you have with the manufacturers. It's really cool to be able to phone those guys and say, you know, can we change this or can we do this? Or do those guys come with you to you with ideas of either different materials available or do they see a do they see a design or a, a print and think, well, you know, it might be better for Ollie to do it this way. Do they do they have that kind of input into it? Yeah,
0: they do. It definitely speaks to them, because these guys that doing the printing know a hell of a lot more about it than I do Um, because they know the ins and outs and what works on certain uh, garments or certain cottons, that kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, they're very good at sort of uh, giving me a bit of advice. You know, and it is welcome because, as I say, I've made a few mistakes in the past and got something printed incorrectly and it's cost me a fortune and it hasn't quite worked. But a lot of it is just communication. I I feel just as comfortable going to those guys and saying, look, do you think this is going to work? Is this something that's possible in screen printing? Can we do gradients, all this sort of stuff? and uh nine times out of ten yes they're able to do it so it's definitely a two-way thing i would say um like we said earlier my lack of fashion knowledge uh doesn't help (laughs) (laughs) in terms of the process of getting it printed yeah it's definitely me taking advice from other people about that because um i want the best product available to me and i think um it's important for these guys to get the business so Mm -hmm. yeah definitely a a two-way thing i would say
1: yeah, and could those guys help you with race tops, do you think, with race jerseys, or do you need to go somewhere else for those?
0: I think I need to go somewhere else. Um, yeah, I haven't really looked into it properly yet. I went to the bike show this year up at the, I think it was at the XL or something. And funny enough, I've got a Chanto guy there who does his own race jerseys. He does some really cool graphics on them, and they're all kind of handmade, this kind of thing. And that was the thing, they were handmade. And this guy sits at home, and he stitches these tops together, and I thought, my God, that's amazing, absolutely amazing. Wow. They look great, and all that sort of thing um but I, I don't have the time or the many skills for that at the moment <laughs> yeah but um it's something else i'd have to look into i think i'd have to try and do a bit, of, a bit of market research and see if there is something out there that i can source perhaps locally if that was possible or be able to buy in small small quantities to actually th- and then take to the printers to get the you know, logo printed on or a design wherever it may be
2: mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, and again it, again, it just becomes more complicated when you have different manufacturers and different people you have to you have to chat to. And it spreads things a wee bit thin with quantities and everything else. So that's another challenge for you.
0: Yeah, it is challenging. Um, it is challenging. I've got a T-shirt at the moment that uh, a few people are crying out for. Um, and the thing is, people always say, if you don't give your customers what they want, then they won't support your business, you know? Mm-hmm. um and it's a very fair comment because i get customers who are requesting a certain design i don't get people requesting custom designs it's something that i've done they say oh, when is a t-shirt coming out mm-hmm. i met with a guy the other week for a ride in rogate and, um, and he said i always go on oh sorry about this he says i always go on your website and i ask when because <laughs> As i say oh, this t this design is coming soon this t-shirt will be out soon and he just leaves a comment saying when <laughs> you know
1: <laughs>
0: like it's coming soon I need to find the right printer, I need to find the right price, all this sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is difficult trying to find the right price point to be able to actually then get the product and then sell it on for a bit of a profit. Um, otherwise, yeah. you find yourself just selling the same money, or well, charge the same money for it as you pay for it. So it is difficult. But, yeah, I've had, I've had good results so far. So it's all pretty positive, I think. Mean.
1: Happy days, happy days. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's interesting because I was going to ask you about your pricing structure and how you go about pricing the garment. So mm. do you do a design, send it to the printer, see how much it's going to cost to produce, and then put your profit margin onto that? Or, you know, how do you go about that?
2: Yeah, I mean,
0: when I first started, I was charging quite premium prices for the T-shirts, about £27, you know. Mm. And um, since then, they've gone down to about £22 a pop. Um, So £22 is about the price point for me. T-shirts themselves, I mean, in terms of the GP that I make in them, is half decent. It's okay. I'm not losing money. Um, but in terms of across the board for every T-shirt that I do, it does differ slightly because something could be printed slightly differently. You know, you might pay more money for uh, three colors in the front of your T-shirt rather than two, that kind of thing. So that could increase yeah. the price. Um, you might be able to, well, you might want to go for something like a little um, label that hangs off the sleeve or something, or the bottom of the T-shirt with a little logo on it. Mm-hmm. That adds, you know, £1.25 to the design. So it all depends on the design, and when it comes back to me, I try and do the same margin on each product that I have, just to keep it um, keep it level, really. But then I don't want to charge astronomical prices for it either. I want it to be accessible to you know uh, to riders, young, old, or whatever else. So it can't be too expensive, but it has to be the right price for me to sort of make it worthwhile printing in the first place. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and what's been your best selling t-shirt? Uh,
0: the pedals one has been the best selling one, which is a sort of khaki colored green one with just like a four pedal design on it um that for me it just worked for some reason i think the different colors in the front it's got three like grayish black pedals and it has a gold one on the left hand side right hand side and i don't know what it says to me but for some reason it works for other people it just has that representation of it's a flat pedal that the design is based on Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: um yeah that one went really well so i'm thinking of doing another one of those to be honest for the people that missed out last time
1: hopefully yeah i like that myself i think that's pretty cool i love the way you went with flat pedals and not clips <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah i think it'd look a bit weird if it's like four egg beaters kind of like just in a little pile you know yeah
1: sure. yeah yeah yeah, I did. yeah that's cool and you see again that could that could span across the bmxers or whatever you know with a flat pedal thing
0: yeah exactly and this is the whole thing i was thinking about earlier when you're talking about the disciplines of mountain biking like, for me when you go to the bike park these days, people are doing tricks on mountain bikes that people were doing on BMXs 20 years ago, you know? They're doing no hands, they're doing 360s, all this kind of thing. And that's it's BMX parts, that's what they're built for because the bike is so small, you can whip it around like God knows what and not worry about it. Um, whereas the skill of mountain bikers these days, like the young guys doing jumps like that on full-size 29-inch mountain bikes, um, it's incredible. But yeah, I mean, it definitely, um, back to the T-shirt, it definitely uh, kind of, traverses those disciplines i think um i might do a clip in at some point for the roadies
1: but we'll see we'll see (laughs) yeah yeah for sure (laughs) um so let's chat a wee bit about the time you spend on it because it's a part-time gig for you Mm. but like how do you find the time between working your full-time employment to design a new product to answering customer, customer emails there's loads goes into it how do you find the time
0: I'll go and hide in the toilets actually at work.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you know, do a few notes, that sort of thing. No, I better not say that. Um, what do I do? Yeah, it's just it's finding the time to do it. And the evenings are perfect for me. So I work. Um, I used to be in bars and restaurants, fine enough. I used to manage bars and restaurants, all that sort of stuff. So I used to work wow, every weekend.
1: Tough me at Tough Industry.
0: Oh, very difficult. I'm still in it now. So I do contract catering now. So I manage like a cafe up at Business Park and it's still difficult it's a tough job it's long hours still even though it's just Monday to Friday and no evenings that sort of thing but um, yeah. the advantage is now that it is no evenings on weekends I've got that time to devote to the the brand um, so for me it's just a case of picking the laptop up you know I mean I do a lot of design on my phone so I have like a sort of drawing app on my phone and um, so I'll start on my phone I'll do a sort of design on the phone and then upload that to the the laptop and then follow design on from there so find the time to do it really is when I have the time, I try and do it. That's it, really. Um, if I'm not out my bike or I'm not doing something else, I'll try and devote time to the brand and try and sort of nurture it and keep it going. Um, but it can be difficult sometimes. It, you know, if you, I've found that if you neglect these things for more than two weeks, that's the kind of the max time that you can not do anything with it, like an Instagram post or something. I think any longer than that, then it starts to uh, people start to forget about it.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: um, yeah, it's just trying to keep it up to date. Get New photography on there, new photographs, uh, keep it interesting. And again, as I say, get new designs out there. So um, it can be tough, obviously, working Monday to Friday. I don't get time during the day to call suppliers or, you know, call printers, this kind of thing, because I'm always at work. And um, that's the only disadvantage that I've found. But if I do get the odd hour here and there out of work or lunch break, I'll try and do a little bit on it. So, yeah, it it does take up time, but I really, really enjoy it. So it's worth it for sure.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's interesting because – I was going to ask you how you keep motivated, because when you're working nine to five, you're working 40 plus hours a week. It's hard sometimes to come in the evening, and, you know, after you get food, after, you you know, all the other chores you have to do just in a normal day and then sit down for an hour or a couple of hours and start into something else. It's it's quite difficult to do. It's very demanding. So how do you stay motivated to do stuff like that? Um
0: God, it's a tough question. I mean sometimes you don't get motivated. It's the problem, you know, you're not motivated, you just say, Oh, this is a waste of time. Why am I doing this? Da, da, da. But for me, like the other day, I have this kind of a box underneath the like sofa where we keep all the t-shirts and the steel box up there. So they don't you don't get food smells on them, this kind of thing, and you know, it keeps the, the garments protected. And just for me, when I first started the brands, I started ripping pages out of like mountain biking magazines and like the Red Bull Bulletin, this kind of thing and it was mostly it was advertisements or it was quotes because they do a lot of motivational guys in there or girls talk about running, whatever it may be. So I stuck it all in this scrapbook, and that became my kind of motivational Bible.
2: Mm. So
0: if I ever get kind of fed up there, I look back at this and think, right, you know what? This is where I could be one day. I could have an advert in one of these magazines or I could have photography like that, wherever it may be. So that's what keeps me going, really. And when I sell a T-shirt, obviously, that's the biggest thing for me. That's what keeps me motivated. Me. If I get a sale, I'm just like, ah, oh, this is it. It is worth doing because someone's looked at it. I haven't spoken to them. I haven't told them to buy it, but they've paid money and they're, they're waiting for the product now. So, um, I guess I just got to keep myself, you've got to keep yourself interested and, um, you know, keep the brand varied and keep it interesting for yourself because if you get too bored. Um, that's when you start to sort of lose focus, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Gareth, you obviously do this on your, your part time as well. Is that what you were saying?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And back. there's, there's certainly times when, when you do think to yourself, Oh, you know i have to go and write show notes here or yes you know the stuff that you don't enjoy like chatting to you i enjoy chatting to any of the guests on the show is enjoyable kind of looking at what they do is an enjoyable thing but there's certain aspects of it that i certainly don't enjoy yeah um, and i'm sure that's the same with yourself and the closing side of things there's certain things you really enjoy and you quite you quite like doing and you, you know, you're glad you've got to it, but then there's other things that you're just like, oh, I have to do this again or, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. I think one of the example for me is actually doing stuff on the website. So doing the website back office stuff, it's that's, it that can be draining sometimes, you know, um, but that's the other thing that you just put in the size charts or changing the prices this kind of thing and put the new product on It's all time consuming, but I think it's the outlay of it and the end result is, is worth it, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah it's like anything it is challenging and it can be a little bit draining sometimes but um it yeah hopefully it's worth it in the end
1: yeah and i think i think that's where we all get bogged down we see the end product of so many things from athletes to you know your latest helmet to whatever you see the the end product but you don't see the hard work and the time that was spent in actually getting that product into your hands or onto a screen or something so we got to keep that in perspective you know it's hard work at the end of the day
0: it is. It is. And I think, I mean, for mountain bikers, what I find, so many guys and girls get involved with their own products and their own businesses or websites or you know, podcasts or clothing, whatever it may be. Um, it's just having that time to devote to something that you, you're passionate about and you actually love doing and hoping that one day perhaps it might become your full-time job. That's the target for me with the clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to be there one day and sitting in a bar in the Alps just thinking my brand is just sort of taking over the world, you know, wherever it may be. Yeah. Um, that was what I had in my head when I first started it. You know, I thought first of all four by four. Then I thought, uh, Shadow in the Alps. Then maybe a new bike after that. <laughs> and uh, that's where the brand's gonna put me. So it's just having that kind of that vision really and the end goal in sight every time you're doing something. I think that's what keeps you uh motivated as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think so. And it's it's maybe what will come from the brand, you know, not necessarily what you're doing now but what it may open up in the near future or or you know a number of years down the line is a really good way to look at it and you know there's a brand I was away snowboarding at the start of the year and there's a brand I came across that I'd never known about mm. called, called Picture and yeah. they, uh, they were in one of the local snowboard stores there and they do surfing which is up my street as well um, right. Snowboard and all that kind of stuff, and they were very, very environmentally friendly, um, which was cool. So I looked more into them, and it was actually started ten years ago, no, twelve mm-hmm. years ago. It was started in 2008, twelve years ago roughly, by three friends, three student friends. They had all finished uni. Two of them were sitting in cubicle jobs. One of them decided to go traveling, and then they all got together when the guy came back. They decided, what are we going to do with our lives? And they were mm-hmm. all so interested in snowboarding and skiing and the outdoors. They got together and created this brand, and that brand is getting massive now. Is that right? You know, yeah, like you just check them out. That'll give you inspiration. Those three friends just started that, and they're winning. They're winning. Uh, this award and that award for what they're doing environmentally with their products and the 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 stuff they're using and the the dyes they're using with no plastics etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah. Very inspiring. And you know, if three guys like that can do it, you know, certainly you can do it yourself.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah, I always remember the the fat face story about two guys starting out in the back of like a VW um, camper van. Yeah you know and they just there were two surfers and they thought oh you know clothing represent what we do yeah let's give it a go and see what happens and i think it's just those stories um you know like you say very inspiring and when it appeals to people in that sport or whatever it may be then you kind of you sort of hope or you know that you've got something a bit special in your hands you know and um it's all a bit of um it's all a bit of a trial and error really i think mm these small businesses that are coming out and doing these things, like you say, being sustainable and being environmentally friendly. is so important. And these are the ones that are going to blast like the big brands out of the water, you know? Um, cause it's, I think the big brands can get a bit lazy. I do a bit of, well, I wouldn't say it's research, but I do go into shops and look at kind of big brand clothing. And it's a mix of polyesters a mix of cotton that not consistent throughout the t-shirt brands or designs. Even it's always different sort of kind of cuts and different fits. Mm. And that's the danger. You know, I used to work in retail myself, um as part of the inspiration for me when i first started i was working in a clothes shop for a big brand and someone came to the counter and they spent 30 quid in this t-shirt which was pretty bad this t-shirt bad quality bad quality print um you know it was being screen printed twice but they were a bit out of sync in terms of the design on the front yeah and i just remember thinking to myself i thought no i could do a better job than this <laughs> and that was it and yeah. that's where it started from immediately and i thought i could do this better i could come up with a better product for that and charge less money for it and I'd actually want to wear it. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the thinking behind it. And I think that's what it is. When you start these brands on your own or whatever it may be, you're always thinking, I could do a better job than that, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and that, that's what really keeps you motivated as well. Um, I never want to get to the point where it's, you know, we're just accepting the status quo. We've got a sort of mediocre product out there that we're just happy sort of shifting out and paying peanuts to get done, but yet taking the lion's share of the cash when it gets bought. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely not the thinking behind the brand. If you want to produce something, that's good quality, that hardware that will last, and it's worth the investment for the customer because that's what it is in there. They're investing in your brand, and you know, um, so it's got to be worth their money and time.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. And I think the problem with the big brands are they're producing so much product, they're working with so many factories they mm. all do different size and structures, different cuts that. The quality control just isn't there. They can't employ, and the, the, the quality control thing's just gone. It's cheaper for them to deal with returns after the product's sold.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and it's uh, it's amazing how much stuff gets taken back as well. <laughs> when you do think they're paying, you know, an extortionate amount of money for this piece of clothing or boots, whatever it may be, and it does get sent back because it's not up to scratch. It's not good quality. And I mean, the other thing for me, since I started the brand, I've had no returns. You know, wow. since I started, uh, which is amazing, I think, because I thought about it the other day. And as I found my bike, and I thought, hang on, do I actually put something in there that says about returns? Have i got something on the website that says, if there is a problem, return it to this address. And I had a look, and it was on there. Um, but to have that again as a sort of uh, a validation of the brand has been amazing, you know? Um, exactly. Shows that the actual product's been sent out is, well, the customer's happy with it. So that's the main thing. Um, um, but yeah, like I say, we're not mass producing every product that I put out is put in the envelope by myself. It's wrapped up with a paper. I print out the printing slip. I post it myself. So there's no kind of middleman there. You know, it's all done from home. And, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, the, it's the care and attention to detail. I think that really makes a difference in
1: it. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's really, yeah. really cool. Um, so before I let you go there, Ollie, uh, and get packed for your holiday day tomorrow. Yes. Oh, yeah, forgot about that. <laughs> um, I hope I how, How can people best find your stuff? Uh, Where can they buy it? Uh, Where do they go to find out what you're doing? Let us us know a wee bit about that.
0: Yeah, uh, well, the biggest, well, I mean, we have a website. So the Instagram page is Surrey Hills Clothing. Um, So if you're onto Instagram, give that search at Surrey Hills Clothing. You'll come up with the Instagram page. Um, Give us a follow on there or send me a little message. Say hi. Um, There's a link to the website on the Instagram. So it's SurreyHillsClothingCo.com. Uh, so that's the store where you can buy the clothing direct from. Um, it's probably worth mentioning that there's uh, free postage, domestic postage in the UK for any product that you buy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we do little stickers with it, that kind of thing as well. And the t-shirts are also stocks in Nirvana cycles, which is an independently owned cycle shop in Westcott, uh, just at the foot of leaf hill near Dorking in Surrey. Um, um, that's owned by Simon and Jackie, so they've been kind enough to take the brand in there and sell it in the store alongside all the big brands, so it's doing really well. Um, so, yeah, there you go. That's that's the main access to the brand, and um, it'd be great to hear some people, new customers. Just come and say hi and tell me what you think about it, and, uh, yeah, we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, sounds awesome, mate. Sounds awesome. Have you anything new planned for the near future you can let us in on? Um, anything you're thinking of producing relatively soon?
0: Yeah, well, I hope they've got hoodies coming out before Christmas. Um, to keep us warm throughout the horrible winter that we're going to have, probably, because we've had such an awesome <laughs> summer.
2: Um,
0: so that's happening. A couple more tea designs. I know there's a few people have been holding out for the Skull T-shirt for a while, so that's going to happen soon. Um, I'm just trying to find the right supplier for it, so bear with me. It is coming. Um, and what else? Yeah, I have not Lots of exciting things. I'd like to start doing maybe a couple of accessories, branded accessories, maybe bottle openers or something, just have something cool out there. And should I... I think myself whole but i was thinking of doing um mud guards at some point as well so with yeah. unique designs in them so that may be happening towards maybe january sort of time so yeah a couple of things on the uh, on the drawing board
1: excellent Mia. excellent well i hope um i hope everything goes well for you and i'll put all those details on the show notes and stuff so guys can get easy access to it um, but i love what you're doing please keep doing it please keep doing more prints and stuff because I think it's really cool and it's a nice quality brand so good luck for the future bro
0: thanks gareth really appreciate it thank you very much and um thanks for having me on the show appreciate it
1: that's a wrap for episode 107 folks thanks so much for tuning in thanks so much for getting involved with the podcast and thanks for listening once again Now, thanks, Ollie, for coming on the show, bud. It was great to get you on. It was great to have a chat. And I hope everything goes well for you in the near future there regarding Surrey Hills Clothing Company. You certainly have your head screwed on, and I think you're moving in the right direction. So I hope you all the best with that in the near future. Now, if you want to know more about Ollie, get quick links to his website and his Instagram. Just simply go to mtb-tribe.com where you can find Ollie's show notes there. Quick link to the episode, quick link to Ollie's socials and his website. And you can also read a little bit more about our conversation. Now, if you want to support the show, folks, the best way is subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps us boost on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word. ...about the show to more people. If you're not on Apple, don't worry, you can find us and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify and Podbean. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every show. And remember, it's completely free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show and a short synopsis of who is coming on that particular episode. You can also get involved on social media of course we are at mtb tribe on instagram and facebook take screenshots and share the show with friends is always always grateful and that's how you best help the show folks just share with friends share it with somebody you think may be interested in listening to the show and let's help this mtb community build and get some more information out there to everybody involved and everybody that loves the mtb scene so thanks so much, folks, for tuning in. I just want to say a big thank you for everybody that is reviewing and reading us on Apple Podcasts. It does make a big difference and does help the show get found. That's a wrap for this week, folks. Thanks for tuning in once again. I will see you next week for another episode of the MTV Tribe Podcast. But until then, get out on the bikes, get off the sofa, get on the saddle, get out in those trails. And as always, stay MTV Stoked.